Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome into Brewcast from Maze and Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network here with you on Monday night, November 7th, as we head into Tuesday, November 8th, and week 11 of the college football season on the way. Already here as we continue down the final stretch of the regular season, Luke Giardi and Trevor Woods joining me once again here this week to talk about a Michigan football win. And to the show, we're going to talk about the... uh, Michigan basketball season opener that just wrapped up uh, probably five to ten minutes before the starting of the recording of this podcast. So a lot to get to here on the show this week and a lot of fun ahead. Trevor, how's it going tonight, my man? Absolutely ecstatic as each week goes by the playoff chances of the Wolverines feel so much more real and real, especially after a crazy week where you see Alabama lose, you see Clemson lose, you see Tennessee lose, and then look, by tomorrow evening, Michigan is probably going to be ranked number three in the nation. Yeah, and I mean, what a weekend it was for the Wolverines, you know, like you just mentioned. With all those teams going down, uh, Ohio State, I understand that the, the weather was not ideal at Ryan Field, but they've looked, um, you know, not like the the juggernaut the, the last couple of weeks. So Michigan may be creeping a little bit closer to having a chance at the shoe uh, in Columbus in just a couple of weeks. I think I saw 18 days away that game's going to be played. Michigan looking to get two more victories and headed to Columbus at 11-0 and on the year. And, well, uh, you, you know, there was uh, – we'll get right into it. We'll, we'll head 
head up to Piscataway. You know, Michigan hasn't played a whole lot of games on the road here this year. They haven't been tested too much uh, in those hostile environments. Obviously, uh, the Iowa game that felt like uh, a long, long time ago, didn't it? And, uh, of course, going to Indiana earlier here this year. But the good news is they're back at home for their next two before headed to Columbus. Um, but it, it you know, not a great first half for Michigan. They in another night game, second straight night game. I, I don't know. I, I just didn't get good vibes. You know, um, from that game here this year. I don't know about you, Trevor. From the from the start of it, just the, the vibes felt bad. Almost seemingly a little bit lethargic. I know Michigan scored on their first touchdown drive, but uh, allowing an uncharacteristic blocked punt for a touchdown. Um, you know, being forced to punt uh, numerous times and not really being able to dominate up front like we, we've seen from Michigan in a lot of games here this year. Yeah, so the first half, I think, yeah, a couple things have to be factored in it. It was a game on the road. Piscataway, people can make fun of Rutgers if they wish, and some of it certainly warranted through the years, especially six years ago, they lose 77 nothing to the Wolverines. However, head coach Greg Ciano, got to give him credit always. Last season, they had it to the big house. Pretty close game. Michigan won that one just 20-13. to 13. So early on in this one, kind of had that same vibe, that same relentlessness from the Scarlet Knights, definitely hitting hard, flying to the football on defense. A few fluky plays go their way, whether it was that block punt, whether it was some 50-50 balls deep down the field that went their way. Uh, have to also factor in, in my opinion, just at least a little bit what happened the week before the tunnel incident against Michigan, with Michigan State definitely loomed over the Michigan program all week. But had to get them jitters out, had to get them road jitters out. And so you could say that going into halftime, being down against any team certainly concerning 17 to 14. But then there are some other things I liked to see in that first half. And, for example, quarterback J.J. McCarthy, he was absolutely getting leveled by Rutgers. They were definitely hitting him, going through him at times or Definitely, in my opinion, should have been a couple more flags called. There was even a play where McCarthy got sacked, and then the sack celebration, McCarthy gets ran over and falls down again. So, J.J., to me, proved his grit in that first half. But, like you said, never want to surrender any lead, and that's what they did against Rutgers on the road in Piscataway. So, got to clear some of that stuff up. Had to finish a little stronger but through the course of four quarters, Michigan continues to show their team that does, in fact, been a strong and worthy opponent out. Well, I think that's the big storyline and the takeaway, man, is the stark contrast in this football team between the first half and the second half is legitimately unbelievable. Uh, given the fact that you go back through their last four games and you take a look at the second halves, and Michigan is outscoring their opponents in the second half of football games 100-3 to in their last four games. That's all coming against Big Ten opponents. The three points surrendered to Penn State, the only second-half points that they've given up all season and, or, uh, in the last four games. And Michigan is averaging 25 points a game in the second half in those four games. It, it's The stark contrast between the two teams is unbelievable. And I don't know, you know, what the adjustments are or anything like that, but Jesse Minter, I, he must be uh, an adjustment savant because that defense 
it's a different defense when they come out in the second half. We saw it last week against Michigan State where Keon Coleman was having a big first half, and Michigan was able to completely take away not only Keon Coleman, but Jaden Reed as well. And then this week uh, in the second half, Rutgers, I mean, they had, what, one one rushing yard at halftime. They had just 13 in the second half, and then they couldn't throw the ball or move the ball in that second half at all, man. They never even really threatened Michigan. Michigan comes away with three takeaways on interceptions, two by Michael Barrett and one by Will Johnson. I mean, they they were all over Rutgers in the second half, and I don't know what it is. I would love to see this team do that for an entire four quarters. They'd be the best team in the country if they could, obviously. Um, it, but it is a little concerning what they've done in the first halves, but the second half, you know, it's going to make you believe they can win any single game they play, regardless of what the score is going into halftime. Yeah, and part of it is the brand of football in which Michigan plays. They're just such a well-conditioned team. It's no joke. It's no BS. Strength and conditioning coach Ben Herbert, uh, nutritionist Abigail O'Connor, they really have a lot of the Michigan roster in peak condition to where by the time that other team, you know, Rutgers, had to be very happy with themselves heading into halftime. But that's pretty much all they had. They punched themselves out. So not saying Michigan's necessarily trying to ever do a rope-a-dope, but when you look at points per drive overall, you look at points uh, uh, point differential, Michigan has the best point differential in all of college football at .271. Now, ironically enough, Ohio State's right behind Michigan at plus 270. So it, it's been a collision course. We keep saying it all year, Michigan versus Ohio State. And that continues to be true. But, yeah, there's something that light clicks on at halftime for Michigan. They're as good as any team in the nation at second-half adjustments. And part of it's just the mental aspect. They really dig down. They don't get beat up. They get going, get after it. And so that has to be encouraging. And we're going to see how it shakes out for Michigan on the road in a couple weeks. But – even Jim Harbaugh today, Luke, you pointed it's 18 days away from Columbus. And in his interview with Brad Galley, Harbaugh said how many days are left. So nothing against Nebraska, a team that's certainly scuffled this year, and definitely nothing against an Illinois team who only has two losses on the season, who Michigan will be playing the week after this one. But Michigan, the next couple weeks, the next two games, they're going to be envisioning their opponents wearing scarlet and gray and wanting to hit them a little harder. So nameless, faceless opponents the next couple weeks. However, they're going to envision they're tackling some Buckeyes. Man, uh, so one thing sticks out to me from this game, Trevor, that blows my mind. So I'm taking a look at the the advanced box score from ESPN's Bill Connolly, right? Rutgers in their yards before contact per rush was at negative 1.2. That's when Michigan was hitting Rutgers on average per every rush attempt was over a yard in the backfield. That is absolutely mind-blowing to me. It's absurd, and this goes back to this offseason where a lot of people thought Harbaugh was crazy when he said at Big Ten Media Day that he has a sneaky suspicion that this Michigan defense might be better than the <laughs> one they had a season ago with Heisman finalist Aiden Hutchinson and then edge rusher on the other side, David Ajabo. But it's been a collective effort this year, man, of getting after it from Mozzie Smith to Mike Morris to Junior Colson, who continues to rack up lots of tackles. But 
the team swarms the football. Harbaugh says that they don't have a get back coach. Get to the ball coach. Get to the ball oh, coach. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so basically, my point is, is if Michigan gets six guys to the ball, the coaches are telling the players, hey, we can do eight. We can get eight to the ball. We can get nine to the ball. So it's kind of a fun thing they've collectively done on the defensive side of the ball this year. The same thing with the turnover buffs, right? Who Michael Barrett, <laughs> they should just give him a pair now after getting two interceptions in the game. But, man, from top to bottom, and there was a couple leakages in coverage, right, yep. on, on the Michigan defense. But besides that, from that front four to the linebackers to the secondary, uh, the corners and safeties, this has been one fun unit to watch. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just the John Harbaugh coaching tree, the uh, Baltimore Ravens scheme that has added all these nuances of the characters of guys like Mike McDonald and Jesse Minner, but there's the schematics and then there's the belief in the players to, to go out and do it. And it's just been absolutely fun to watch. And it's not like, you know, every year of the Jim Harbaugh era has had lackluster defensive performances. Even during the right. Don Brown era, there's some fun games to watch, right, before they got blown out against Ohio <laughs> State. But this looks like the type of unit that can go in and beat Ohio State or at least cause quarterback C.J. Stroud, who's the highest front runner right now, a bit of a headache. So, yeah, it's going to continue, Luke, in our conversations. Innately, I can't help it, but kind of kind of go 180 and go back to Ohio State in the conversation. Yeah, man. And, you know, you mentioned J.J. McCarthy. We, we'll talk about the running backs in a sec here as well. Uh, but J.J., man, I, I was really impressed with him. You, you mentioned the toughness, right? And he just he continued to stay in and, and deliver balls. And his guys weren't helping uh, a whole ton out there, you know. Uh, obviously, I think people are, are arguing it. I know it hit Andre Anthony in the hands. I think that was an overthrow, uh, in my opinion, on J.J. McCarthy. Would like to see him get a little more air under the football. We, we saw it last year. He was great on his touches, uh, on deep passes. I'm not sure what happened. Maybe the shoulder injury is playing into it a little bit. But other than that one, uh, the, the miss to Andre Anthony, I thought he delivered some strikes. Guys were dropping some really good, Great throws. Uh, the the one Shoemaker right in the end zone. That was an absolute dart uh, by JJ, and uh, that that one's got to be caught. There were a couple other ones uh, that were dropped out there. I thought JJ really played a tremendous game. Used his legs a little bit when he needed to. Ran for a big first down uh, on one of the opening drives and. I mean, he he's been rock solid, and I would really like to see his pass catchers start to help him more, but also. I'd like to, I mean, he's proven it. I think Donovan Edwards might be the best receiver on this football team right now. Donovan Edwards, insert your favorite pass-catching running back who also has some strength to his rushing game. You look at guys like Marshall Falk or LaDainian Tomlinson or Alvin Kamara, uh, Christian McCaffrey, these dual-threat Swiss Army knives out of the running back position. And Donovan Edwards is great of a running back as he looks to be. And this is on a team that has Blake Corum, who's a Heisman candidate right now. Edwards, absolutely electric and may ultimately be a better pro or as good of a pro as a guy like Corum. However, Edwards, where he has surpassed Corum, where Edwards, maybe perhaps actually since last season, just his first year on campus, 
he just has this natural route running ability, these natural flypaper hands. McCarthy's throw to Edwards in the end zone, it was a red zone touchdown pass. McCarthy delivered just the proper amount of arc, dropped a teardrop in there, and it was absolutely great catch by Edwards that I don't know how many of Michigan's wideouts make. So I would love to see in the next couple weeks Michigan start utilizing Edwards more in the passing game, or maybe they don't utilize it as much in the next couple weeks simply to have him ready to go against Ohio State in that regard and not show a whole lot on film. But Edwards aside, the Michigan wideouts, Luke Schoonmaker, they all need to step up a bit more and catch these balls in traffic, catch these balls when a safety or quarterback might be looming to hit them. You got to take hits in football and you got to catch the ball when you do so. So whether it's Ronnie Bell, Schoonmaker, Andrew Anthony, sure, that was a bit out of reach, you could say, but it was also right there to where it would have been an exceptional catch, right? And then we would have been saying how exceptional the throw it was. So overthrow maybe by millimeters or inches, but still it, it's one of those that in real time was like man they almost had that yeah and i think if either of us threw that ball we'd be we'd be bragging about that incompletion for a week so uh more credit to some of those guys there who did indeed hold on to some of his balls because jj he can really sling it man and man, that throw to cornelius needs- johnson in the yeah. end zone dude was an absolute strike that was a bullet. That's an absolute on a line. You can hang your laundry out, just straight line throw, whipped it. We've seen that last year, and we're seeing it this year with McCarthy. So his arm strength's not in doubt. It's just there's no doubt, Luke, you mentioned it. He didn't get to throw all offseason. Those are a lot of reps, thousands of reps, you could say, this offseason that McCarthy was not able to partake in, in organized team activities or, as you know, when McNamara – any Michigan quarterback, they kind of get the troops together uh, without coach supervision to get extra reps in. So McCarthy missed all that. I think that's heavily important. But the good news for Michigan and the good news for McCarthy, in my opinion, is we're continuing to see him ascend one way or the other each week. McCarthy looks more confident with his pre-snap reads at this point in the season. He's definitely on average getting the ball quick when that's what the play requires. Uh, just get to your check down. Uh, his mental, his mental fortitude, I continue to be impressed by. It seems like, even like you said, Luke, Iowa, that feels like a while ago. Well, guess what? Even feels longer, week one. So he really seems like he's developed as a leader. He mm-hmm. has a more stoic presence. JJ is always going to be a guy with smiles and a rah-rah attitude. But you're also seeing him kind of develop into a man before our very eyes. And boy, they sure need him to be heading into Ohio State in a couple weeks. So he's 19 years old. He's got a lot on his plate. But we're definitely seeing progression consistently uh, running the football, too. When he sees a lane, when he sees he can go, go. Saw it on Sunday Night Football against the Kansas City Chiefs. You look at Patrick Mahomes late in the game. Mahomes, Mahomes, he has quite good speed, but you don't think he's a burner, right? Well, guess what? When the the opposing defense allows these gaps, the coverage – 
turns their heads and backs on you. Well, guess what? Thank you. Thank you for the free yards. I don't have to throw anymore. I'm going to take off 20 yards down the field or more. So I loved seeing that from JJ this week. I love seeing it against Michigan state. We're seeing that more from him, just the innate instinct to take off. So as many boxes as you can look at and say, Oh, well, JJ could do a little better here. He could do a little better there. I think he's right on schedule or ahead of schedule because you look at all the boxes he's checking off. Uh, for example, he leads all of the FBS in uh, yards per completion on play action pass attempts. And that is certainly something, Luke, I will uh, be adamant that the Wolverines implement often against a team like the Buckeyes. Well, particularly near the red zone, right? I mean, we saw the yes. struggles on the first two possessions trying to get it in from one yard out on the goal line against but the they Scarlet did Knights. They, they did. did. They, Absolutely. It, it counts. It, 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 it does, a little it stubborn, does. you could say, running into a wall <laughs> until you break the wall. It definitely, it definitely makes you want to pull out your hair until, okay, they did it. They did it. You know, but definitely that was a brutal, brutal sequence, but still, still a cherry on top. They're, they're waiting to pull that one out with uh with with Colston Loveland coming across the middle like the Lions pulled against the Packers yesterday to uh, oh Mitchell there wide open. Yeah, and I gotta say this too. You mentioned I'm glad you mentioned that Lions Packers game because nothing's as bad as what you saw the Packers do on the goal line <laughs> yeah. against the Lions, especially oh, see so there was the helmet doink. Yeah. Uh, Hall of Fame quarterback Aaron Rodgers is looking very pedestrian mentally and physically this year. But then the other one in which it was a play, it looked like it was going to be a touchdown to an offensive lineman. That's what the Packers envisioned. However, Aiden Hutchinson, and everyone else snuffed it out. And I believe, is that the one Hutchinson had the interception It is, on? yeah. They, they were throwing it to David Bakhtiari. Yeah, yeah. Don't throw it to uh, uh, Trevor Keegan or Zach Center or anyone <laughs> along the offensive line, please, Michigan Wolverines offense. So uh, anytime we can throw a little shade at the Packers, that's not a bad thing, right, Luke? I do like it, man. I, I do like it. And that's another thing, too, right? Michigan was out w- without a bunch of their guys on Saturday you know no no Roman Wilson uh no Trevor Keegan um they uh they were able to you know uh go out there and play and 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 play pretty good uh we had heard reports of some other guys not being able uh to go as well so I don't know it was uh it was a good win 35 point victory on the road against Rutgers you know you, you take it every time here and all of a sudden Michigan is really creeping up I mentioned SP plus and Bill Connolly a little earlier they're up to number three uh, right now in the country, and they're actually closer to, to number one Georgia uh, than they are to number five Tennessee in, in the SP Plus rating. So Michigan is a legitimate, I mean, you start to look at it, and I understand Georgia put a, a hurting on Tennessee, and they dominated that game, and Ohio State's been a favorite all year. Michigan is a legitimate national title contender right now with, with three games left in the regular season. It's been incredibly impressive given all the talent that Michigan lost on the defensive side of the football. They're number four in SP Plus defense right now, and they are... I, I mean, they're, they're not, you know, they're ranked 13th on the offensive side of the football, but they dominate up front, and that can keep them in the game with any team in the country. I truly believe that. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And you look at a team like Tennessee, they gave up a ton of points to Alabama. You look at Georgia, great team. They deserve to be number one when the next college football playoff bowl comes out. But they struggle against Kent State. You look at Ohio State, yes, it was a win game, and you can have an asterisk because it seemed like there's a hurricane along Lake Michigan when they played Northwestern, <laughs> a 1-7, and seven, now 1-18 on Saturday. But 21-7, and Northwestern shot themselves in a few toes that game too to where uh, they could have really won that football game and pulled off one of the biggest upsets of all time. So, yeah, Michigan right now, they deserve to be, like I said, either number – Three, I, that's what I predict anyway, or number two. Uh, and we're going to see, but it's almost getting to the point where if a little more luck, a one-loss Michigan team could still get into the college football playoff, but they can't count on that. You got to go in and beat the Buckeyes in Columbus. You can't let the Hornhuskers or the Biden Illini play spoiler, right. and you got to take care of business. But Jim Harbaugh said it's a special season. I believe he also used the word magical. You just want to keep riding that high. So keep on keeping on Wolverines. You're looking real good, but you have to continue to improve. And there are things to improve upon. And nobody knows it more than them because uh, who they are today will not cut it come the end of November. There has to be progression in the next 18 days. And that's something Harbaugh is saying today as well. So we'll see if they can do it. Yeah, there, and obviously a lot of football left to be played before we uh, start looking at scenarios and things like that. Obviously, three games left in the regular season. If Michigan is fortunate enough to go to Indianapolis, you got four games left uh, on the season before you start talking about seeding. But given, you know, if, if say Georgia wins out and wins the SEC championship, they're going to be the number one seed. It would If Michigan and Ohio State both end up making the playoffs, man, one is going to be probably the the two seed, and one is probably going to be the four seed. It would be imperative to get that two seed and not give Georgia a month to be able to game plan for you. Much easier to take on a team like that, as easy as you can get, obviously, with, with that much talent, but much better to, to play them on a week's notice than a month's notice, as Michigan found out last year. So a, a lot of football left to be played before we start talking about that, but, but that's what's at stake at, at the end of the day as well. Oh, exactly. And Georgia, they're getting a little more banged up now. Star linebacker Nolan Smith out for the year, but they're still a damn good football team. They did lose quite a few players. A historically large and great NFL draft class they had last season, but the rich always get richer in life and in sports and especially college football. And that's why Georgia's so good again this year. So yeah, keep winning, and that doesn't happen to you. Michigan found out the hard way last year. You could say, Luke, they lose the game 37-33 in East Lansing, and if they beat the Spartans last year, they play Cincinnati in the first round of the playoff and not Georgia. So 
winning is imperative always, and especially with college football playoff seeding. Uh, so we take a, a quick look as uh, Nebraska comes to town here this weekend at the Big House for a 3.30 kickoff, and Nebraska is haven't been playing good football, Trevor. Uh, they, they snuck by Rutgers four games ago, 14-13, to 13, back on October 7th, and that was their last victory. They've lost three straight. They lost at Purdue, 43-37, home to Illinois, 26-9, and home to Minnesota last week, 20-13. to 13. So it, it's a Nebraska team. That, that comes in really reeling. Uh, they've really struggled this year, obviously firing Scott Frost midseason. Uh, and there's nothing particularly uh, that they do all that well, uh, I would say. But you just never know in a game like this, especially when you are coming down the stretch. We saw Michigan lose this exact week back in 2016, and I know it was a night game in Kinnick, but anything can happen in the month of November. And it, and it really, prior to last year, the month of November really crept up and, and beat Michigan down in many years under Jim Harbaugh. So looking to kind of right that ship and winning these football games in November, uh, it's never an easy task, but you just hope Michigan and you expect Michigan to dominate on, on both fronts of the line of scrimmage here this week, offensively and defensively. Yeah, I do. It, it's getting to the point where almost ever since the non-conference schedule has been over, whether it was against Maryland whether it was against Iowa, whether it was against Indiana, whether it was against Penn State. Uh, Michigan seems like they've been on upset alert lists from multiple outlets. It is the biggest, it is the absolute biggest game of the Jim Harbaugh era coming up. Yeah, no doubt. Sorry, I had some audio of a Nebraska highlight yelling touchdown in my ear, but, uh, which we, which uh, Michigan fans do not want to hear uh, much on Saturday. But, uh, yeah, I, I just think they're mentally conditioned to just roll with it and know that we're better than you, we can uh, physically dominate you. And there's a difference between being cocky and not giving an opponent respect and having the confidence to know you're stronger and better than somebody because Michigan, they kind of have that about them, but they put in the work, they put in the preparation, they put in the film study, they practice very hard. And like I said, Harbaugh is definitely instilling in these guys. He may say sometimes to the public, and it's always, you know, focus on your next opponent, go through the same study habits, each week knowing an opponent's tendencies and all that. But there's definitely that point being driven home that, hey, guys, Ohio State is not far away. What we do today matters in being Ohio mm. State. How you prepare today in the film room impacts us being Ohio State. So the next couple of weeks, Michigan, they have more on their plate. They're, they're facing two teams mentally. But I think for the good news of the matter is Michigan can handle that type of mentality. Construct. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, uh, you know, one thing to, to keep an eye on here, though, about Nebraska, they haven't played an offense that can run the football quite like Michigan's, even when they went up against Chase Brown in Illinois. But over the, the back stretch of the season, when they got into Big Ten play, looks like the rush defense really shored up. I mean, you take a look at it. They gave up 4.6 yards of carry to Northwestern, 5.3 to North Dakota, 7.8 yards of carry to Georgia Southern, and 5.8 uh, yards of carry to Oklahoma. And obviously, Scott Frost fired after the Georgia Southern game. Um, but in Big Ten play, gave up 
2.9 yards of carry to Indiana, 3 to Rutgers, 4.6 to Purdue, 3.9 to Illinois, and 2.8 last week to Minnesota, and it hasn't resulted in wins for Nebraska. Uh, but that's something to keep an eye on here this week, that maybe Michigan uh, might not be able to run the ball as efficiently as you might think against a team that uh, allows 182 yards on the ground you know, per game and allows 4.5 yards of carry over the, the course of the year. Uh, it's been a lot less than that in Big Ten play for this Cornhusker defense. Yeah, it's one of those stats, Luke, that reminds me of heading into the tilt against Penn State. They are ranked, what, sixth or fifth against uh, the run, their uh, sixth-ranked rushing defense. Yeah. And a lot of the narrative heading into that week is, well, it's going to have to be J.J. McCarthy who beats Penn State, and Michigan ran for over north of 400 yards on the ground that day. So it's one of those things What that – Congratulations to Nebraska for being able to stop teams like Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota on the ground. None of those teams are of the ilk of the Michigan Wolverines, and they're pretty darn good offensive line and certainly great one-two punch of Blake Horman, Donovan Edwards. So that is certainly something the Wolverines should look out for. And, you know, if, if things don't go their way in the run and have a counter punch, then that's going to have to be J.J. McCarthy using his legs or his arm. However, ultimately, my prediction would be this is going to be the worst the Nebraska rush defenses looked this year. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so as well, though. It, it's going to be hard to uh, look worse than it did against Georgia Southern, giving up the 7.8 yards of carry, <laughs> 233 <laughs> yards on 30 rushes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. That man, Scott Frost, I wonder what he's doing these days. <laughs> oh, man, who who knows? With that buyout he's got, he's probably living the dream on an island somewhere right now. Well, if, well, if you hear this, Scott, Luke and I, we, yeah. we you can invite us to your island. Hey, we'll take Go the ahead. invite. We'll take the invite, man. So, so, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens here this week uh, as we hit the final three games of the regular season. We're going to talk some hoops coming up, but uh, th- this will be uh, about it for Trevor here this week. Trevor, before we uh, let you go here on this fine Monday evening, where can we find you on social media, my man? Find me on the Elon Musk Twitter, <laughs> at Woods Football. I am verified. I got a blue check mark. Didn't have to pay eight dollars for it, but that's gonna change soon. That's gonna change. Get rid of that blue check and and use it for free. I, I don't have a blue check, so I don't have to worry <laughs> that, about it, man. That, that's pro- that's probably what I'm gonna do. I yeah. hope Elon doesn't hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Scott Frost, Scott Frost, you can invite us to the island. Yeah, Scott Frost, you can pay for my uh, Twitter fee as well with that buyout. You got the eight bucks, my man. Uh, Trevor, hey, it's really- been a pleasure, pleasure, buddy. Go Absolutely, go Absolutely. I was just gonna say, man, I really appreciate you coming on, Trevor. Uh, as always, been a lot of fun here so far, and I know we got a couple of uh, uh, shows left to, to do throughout the regular season and, and hopefully a Big Ten Championship week, but appreciate it again tonight, man, and we'll talk to you next week. Heck yeah, buddy. Can't wait. And before we get into some Michigan hoops action, want to let you know that support for Brewcast is thanks to Manscaped. And do we have the deal for you right now with Manscaped because it's fresh ball fall. We're in November. We're hitting the final stretch of the college football regular season and the beginning of hoop season. I mean, so many balls and Manscaped wants to make sure you are taken care of of yours. You know what I'm saying? So join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Head to manscaped.com. You got 20% off and free shipping with promo code M 
NB20. Get yourself that Platinum Package 4.0. It's everything in the Performance Package, plus... You get a whole lot of good stuff for the shower and, uh, you know, pairs of boxers. I mean, they're fantastic. You got to get that shampoo and conditioner. Um, You got the aluminum-free ultra-premium deodorant in it as well. So join the 6 million men worldwide by going to manscaped.com and entering promo code MNB20, 20% off, and free shipping. So Michigan opens their season against Purdue. Fort Wayne and the Macedons came to the Chrysler Center here this evening. Michigan coming away with the 75-56 to victory. And, and I got to tell you, there were a couple of guys that really showed out. Uh, this team felt well-constructed. I will say that. Hunter Dickinson, man, he went absolutely crazy, as you might have expected, right? If you took a look at the Purdue Fort Wayne roster, they didn't have a single guy who was over 6'9 on the roster. Figured that uh, Hunter Dickinson was probably going to be eaten uh, here tonight, and he certainly did. He had 22 points and 12 rebounds. He was 9 of 11 from the floor, 4 of 4 from the free throw line. He was incredibly efficient here this evening, and what I really saw was the spacing surrounding him. Uh, and if you watched any of the exhibition, you knew Jet Howard had a chance uh, to come out and show that he is an absolute star, and that's exactly what he did. 21 points on 8 of 15 from the field, 5 of 10 from deep, and he had a couple of monster threes. He had eight straight points at one point in the second half when – Michigan couldn't score. Purdue-Fort Wayne was on a 10-0 run, had cut the game to 12. Michigan was just hanging on by a threat on defense. They couldn't get anything, anything going. Jet Howard steps up, hits a three, comes down, gets a layup, hits another three. Purdue-Fort Wayne, all of a sudden, 8-0 run, has to call a timeout. Michigan pretty much put the game away and iced it with with Jet Howard. Dude is going to be an absolute star. Kobe Bufkin, uh, along with... um, uh, Baker, Joey Baker coming off the bench. Three of six from deep. He hit a couple in the first half in, in the spacing. You know, you think back to last year and what a lot of Michigan's troubles were. It, it all surrounded the spacing. Hunter Dickinson and Moose Diabate were playing a ton together. But Michigan was not knocking down open shots. Devontae Jones wasn't hitting three at a clip outside of Eli Brooks. Uh, Michigan was not knocking down threes consistently. Now they've got guys that can space you between Jalen Llewellyn coming in, a Kobe Bufkin. Uh, he went 0 for 4 here tonight, but you know he can knock down the triple. Jet Howard went 5 of 10. Uh, Terrence Williams, we know he can hit the threes. He went 0 for 2 here tonight, but Joey Baker coming off the bench going three of six providing some spacing uh jace howard as well he's not afraid to pull the trigger he hit a triple here tonight that's going to be uh the interesting thing because you saw it tonight with hunter dickinson they were doubling them purdue four wanks they didn't have the size to match up with them and if they didn't he was going to score but when he did he made some great passes whether the shot was made or not the spacing was there and allowed hunter dickinson to operate incredibly well tonight and so efficient and the athleticism was on display defensively. Oh, my God. On some of these possessions, Michigan was fantastic uh, defensively. They were passing guys off, uh, switching. They were icing ball screens. Uh, they were relentless at different points of the game. Now, Purdue-Fort Wayne, uh, they had some guys that were that were ready to light it up and were able to shoot the ball a little bit. But, uh, I mean... Michigan still held them to 9 to 38 from deep uh, here this evening. Held Purdue Fort Wayne to under 30% from the field, under 25% from deep. Only sent them to the line for seven free throws. The defense without without fouling 
uh, that was the biggest thing that stood out to me, too. You know, a couple of body fouls on non-shooting attempts. Michigan didn't really rack up the personal fouls. Uh, that was awesome to see as well. No one really got into foul trouble. Hunter Dickinson had two in the first half. Um, but for the most part, they stayed out of foul trouble, didn't send the Macedons to the line. And that's going to be the key here this year. At times last year, felt like they weren't really engaged defensively, right? Gave up big runs. In short spans, like Purdue-Fort Wayne went on that 10-0 run, but it was over the course of four or five minutes. Now, that says something else about Michigan scoring droughts. Um, but forcing those big runs to not happen in two and a half minutes, but instead extending it to five and giving yourself some multiple possessions to break out of that run on the offensive side, that's going to be a key down the stretch. That was the reason Michigan lost a lot of games in the regular season last year and didn't compete uh, for a Big Ten championship. And also, I got to tell you, I'm a big Doug McDaniel fan. This dude is so much fun to watch play basketball. He, he's going to find himself. He's going to play a little more under control, uh, more more so. But he's so fast. I think he's too fast for his for his own self to control. Reminds you of the Mighty Ducks guy, uh, I think, in the second one back in the day where the, the skater was so fast and he didn't know how to stop. That's how Doug McDaniel had, had a step on a guy in, in the first half, and he got to the rim. And he was under the basket before he realized when, when he was going up for the shot. That's how quickly he got to the rim. He didn't even realize it. He didn't have the control and the body awareness. That's going to come with time and experience playing at this level. Uh, but he is so much fun to watch. He had one of the most exciting fast break moments of the night for his only basket of the night. Uh, but he is going to be so much fun. The freshmen were fun to watch. And the pieces... They fit together so incredibly well here this year. When Hunter Dickinson needed to come out, Terrace Reed uh, came in. You know, he's not going to show up on the stat sheet. Had just one point and one rebound here tonight. But defensively, he he was there. He was blocking out. And he was a presence out there on the floor. And that's the thing, you know. When, when Hunter comes out, Terrace comes in. And you still have the spacing with the shooters around and guys that can get to the rack and finish like we know Kobe can. Jet was able to go do that a whole lot here tonight. We absolutely know Terrence can get to the rim uh, and finish. And Jalen Wellen looked like he, he was pretty solid in that regard as well. Didn't have a, an outstanding performance scoring-wise, but had three assists, had three rebounds, only one turnover. You absolutely love to see that uh, from from a point guard coming in as a as a grad transfer. Just don't turn the ball over, and, and and Michigan did that great tonight. Only eight turnovers and forced fourteen for Purdue Fort Wayne. So I think a lot to like here tonight uh, from this Michigan basketball team. I, I really do. I know it's Purdue Fort Wayne, but. I mean, you take a look at it. Uh, Ken Palm made this game uh, about what it is, uh, about an 18, 19 point Michigan win, and that's exactly what it ended up being. Uh, the markets had Michigan as 15 and a half point favorites, so uh, they outperformed the market. And quite honestly, you know, it, it was Jet Howard and Hunter Dickinson. And once these other guys start contributing a little more, which you know that they they will, they had a bunch of shots that, that were in and out and things like that. Um, it, this team is deep. They can shoot it. They can get to the rack, and you've got the best big in the Big Ten, and I won't hear any arguments from any Indiana fans. Uh, it, it is Hunter Dickinson, and Jed Howard's going to be an absolute star. So a lot to like from this Michigan team. They're probably going to have some lumps here and there with, with how young and inexperienced they are with some of these guys, but uh, at the end of the day, I think this Michigan team, it feels better after this game than it did against Buffalo last year. The Buffalo game, we were trying to convince ourselves that, you know, Buffalo was top 100 Ken Palm uh, and things like that, and they gave Michigan a battle right down to the bitter end. Never felt like that with Purdue-Fort Wayne. They never got within 12 in the second half. 
Um, so I, I like what I saw from this Michigan basketball team here tonight. That's about going to wrap it up for us on Brewcast here this week. Had an absolute blast with you here tonight. Big thanks to Trevor Woods, as always, uh, for joining the program. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Also, I invite you to follow me on Twitter, at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. I and a lot of great shows coming out this week on the Mesa Brew Podcast Network as well. So for Trevor Woods, I'm Luke Giardi, and we'll see you next week on Brewcast.